The Performance Lab podcast is invested in the sharing of knowledge and cultivation of curiosity between makers. We invite guest artists to lead a workshop with the MFA candidates of Sarah Lawrence College, after which we interview them. We ask questions tailored to their individual practice, delving deeper into the how and the why of creation. Inspiration is all around us, but how do we hone in on the subjects that drive us? They share with us their tips, tricks, and sources of inspiration, reflect on past performances and projects, and keep us up to date with what's next. Stay tuned for the Performance Lab podcast. Hi there. Welcome to the Performance Lab podcast. My name is Karen Lowey. I'm a first year graduate student at Sarah Lawrence College. Today we have Jillian Walker with us. Hello, everybody. And uh, my name is Maria Ellison. I'm also Sorry. a first year graduate at Sarah Lawrence in the theater graduate program. We are so excited to be interviewing you today, Jillian. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about the workshop that you ran with us today? Sure. Um, so about a year ago, last spring, I spent some time um, with the incredible folks at the School of Making and Thinking um, in a program called Bodies of Water or Body of Water, um, which was about playwriting using body using water as a way of thinking about form or content or both when it comes to playwriting and so a lot of my ideas about basically process and how to approach the creative process um really blossomed in that time and i want to shout out corey tamler and alex viteri and raven castle who ran that program. Three incredible women. Uh, so yeah, the workshop that we did today was prompts and exercises um, that I've used in my writing process since then. Um, and also just things that I've thought about. I've spent a lot of time meditating on water. And so we did a bunch of things. We kind of flowed through starting with like thinking about our lives, using water as the sort of marker of time. Um, we started there. And then what do we do? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> thought about the future, which was yeah. not stressful at all. Um, <laughs> I, was it stressful, Karen, for you? I, I just found myself, like, talking about the past about water was so easy because I come from a, I come from Colombia and I'm from a coastal part of it, so I don't remember a time where I was not involved with water. Mm -hmm. But then talking about the future, I thought, like, weirdly about pregnancy and mm -hmm. womb, how the womb has water in it and how humans are basically mermaids mm -hmm. who replace their tails or, like lungs i don't know that went into a weird ass way yes but that i mean we already have such that's so important to me because it, we already have such an innate relationship with water and it just seems really natural to use water as a way of thinking about creativity as like we literally are born in water you know inside of the womb and most of us come from the womb i think there might be a few that started in petri dishes or something but most of us come from the womb and so you know that's like the ultimate process of creation or like the first process and i think using water as a way to think about all of our creative processes is just really useful 
I was going to ask, like, why, why not any other element? But I think you kind of answered that. Like, why not fire? Why not, you know? I mean, it can definitely, I think, be done in really exciting ways, like using fire or using earth or using wind or, um, but yeah, I think it's, for me, it's like, yeah, that beginning moment of, um, everything being born both in the dark and inside of water, at least, I don't know if everything, like every living thing, but certainly humans. (laughs) Yeah. And it evokes so much memory for us. What else did we do? I think we did, we did minutes of silence or seconds of silence. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, that's for two reasons. Silence was a a part of the workshop just to give ourselves a moment to integrate what we had done and also to pause just to, I think particularly these moments where we're, we're connecting in this way, you know, we're on zoom right now. (laughs) Um, And we're all Zooming so much, you know, especially you all as students, like how much time are you spending on this thing? (laughs) Seven hours. Countless. I think I wake up at 8 a.m. and like between classwork and rehearsal and like other meetings, I think I'm done by eight or nine. It's like 12 hours on a screen. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it, and it really does, um, like I can feel the the labor of my mind. It's already a lot when you're holding creative space, like when we're all working together, but also doing that virtually. is So it's yeah. also a way for me to give myself a break and to make sure that I'm staying grounded, you know, and like tuning in to say like, okay, what we're about to do next, does that really make sense? Maybe we need to do something else. And, um, so that, and yeah, it's actually something that I learned from a group of folks that I work with um, when I was studying language liberation, because um, people who don't, you know, have English as their first language are processing in multiple languages at one time. And so it's a way to honor people and give people a break from having to do all that processing. So mm-hmm. for you, Karen, <laughs> if you speak Spanish, which yeah is my first language yeah I mean you're you're processing so and and I and then there's the layer of technology on top of that so it's also a way to just like pause rest let the brain rest for a moment yeah I appreciate that I think sometimes when especially when you stress you forget or angry you forget the English for a bit you're like oh my god the word I, I want to say and that you get more frustrated with yourself. I think that's just like how, I don't know, brains are weird. That's so fascinating about that. Was it a class? Yeah, it's an ongoing um, class that I take. Uh, I'm really interested in my art intersecting with liberation work and um, the many different kinds of liberation that I think we need, <laughs> you know, so... One of them is like language liberation. There's also, you know, um, all the different kinds of oppression from race to ableism to class um, down the list. So I take classes in all of that. (laughs) Do you feel like kind of comes out of like this dramaturgical background, like this interest in? Uh, My interest in liberation? Yeah. We take a class in Sarah Lawrence called History and Histronics, and we delved so much into like different, we read death, 
king and all his horsemen, which mm -hmm. kind of reminded me a lot of like the circle you showed us today yeah. about how they see death. Yeah, Shoyanka's Yeah. And I don't know, it made me think like when you're a dramaturge like yourself, you have so much like history and so much knowledge that I guess like it it pushes you to like find some way to like not liberate but like see where the structures are at fault. So I was just wondering. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think, you know, before I went to to study dramaturgy in grad school, I didn't have much of a formal relationship with dramaturgy. Um, but when I got into really studying it in grad school, it helped me, yes, see and understand structures um, in a more clear way. And also, as you said, where those structures, <laughs> where those structures don't serve. Um, and the sort of traditional hierarchy of the theater and why that hierarchy exists. And, um, <clears throat> and a lot of the, I would say probably everybody in my program when I was at Columbia, which is where I studied, um, not in Columbia, but at Columbia in New Fine, York. People spell it the same way. It's annoying. It's not, it's not the no same. You. Not the same. <laughs> but but uh, I would say all of us kind of became the disruptors just by like the nature of of the discipline and what we were learning. Um, and some people really welcomed that disruption, and a lot of people didn't know what to do with that. And um, for me, though, I think my what drew me really to dramaturgy is um, knowing that I wanted to have full access to creative expression in a way that I didn't, um, at the time, I was doing like this sort of acting audition kind of route, and I really respect and honor people who do that. Um, but I felt like I wasn't fully able to really express my voice, my ideas. Um, and dramaturgy allowed me access or a way into being able to express all of those things mm -hmm. um, through making my own work and also through supporting the work of other people um, and seeing, seeing those processes through to fruition, so. What kind would, of, I, yeah, go ahead. No, <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you. I was going to just say, like, what kind of, like, work are you, like, drawn to? It's like, you're just speaking of, like, the kind of work that you're, like, collaborate with or, like, that you make, or is it different or is it the same? Um, it's different and the same. I am drawn to and tend to make work that is difficult to categorize. <laughs> um... And I found that people come to me when, like, as a dramaturg and ask me to be a dramaturg when they're like, we don't know what this is. Uh, it's kind of a concert. It's kind of a, a play. It's kind of this or that. Um, I'm pulling, I'm pulling uh, inspiration from visual art or whatever it is. And... Mm. Um, I've sort of 
learned that my role in other people's processes is often to be a sort of weaver, um, figuring out how the threads fit together and what, what pattern we're making. And I'm not somebody who's going to say, like, we need to choose a lane. <laughs> because I believe that all of it is one lane at the end of the day. So it's just about figuring out how to express that. Like, what form, what form is already forming, as opposed to putting a form on top of something. Mm. It goes all back to water. Mm -hmm. Let's yeah. go back to the yeah. ocean. Sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yes, rivers go into the ocean and before the river there's the floodplain and the floodplain is part of the river. And, um, you know, the floodplain like encompasses everything. It's, it's, yeah, I think that that, it just provides so much more freedom and depth for people than a lot of things that would have us, have us try to fit our stories into, you know, our, and one, one particular way of sharing. Which I'd love to, I'd love to circle back to the, the drawing that you made of the waterfall and like how you're processing how to share your work by using a waterfall as, as a form of um, communication and like breaking this down. And at the base of the waterfall, um, you had blue ink. And I'd love to ask you more about that and like what that is and, and why that's so important to what you're doing. Uh, well, okay. So I'll try to, I'll try to talk about this in a way that I sort of think of, so Blue Ink first came as the name of, I did a Joe's Pub concert last year, and Blue Ink, I decided that's what I was going to call the show. I think of Blue Ink as this the sort of invisible and sometimes visible ink that feeds the work. It's sort of like what's underneath everything else that I do. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to articulate it, which is why I, part of why I drew that map uh, to try to help me understand how to articulate it. But it's sort of like, like that's the stuff of my dramaturgy, my personal dramaturgy. And it includes books, it includes um, theoretical frameworks, it includes my experiences as a black woman walking through the world like all of that is sort of what makes blue ink blue ink and yeah it is actually something i'm really excited about it's um i'm starting a on my website um like a blue ink page that hopefully will grow into a community at some point but for now um it's a huge resource list like a library of books talks um documentaries that really shape my thinking and my work and people can access that like right on my website so i'm excited about that but um i'm still defining it too and it probably will be ongoing like you know for the rest of my life <laughs> that sounds so beautiful is there like a song that you were playing throughout the website as well, if you could choose one. Mm, maybe a song from the, from the Joe's Pub show, maybe something in there. One, one of the songs that, that I wrote that's in the show. <laughs> Hopefully some, one of the ones toward the end of the show, which is more about, more about love. Um, that's probably one I would play. Do you have a, um, a favorite piece 
that you've worked on um, thus far? And could, if you do, could you share a memory from working on it? Mm. Something that I've dramaturged or something that I... Um, either one. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, well, the first, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, okay, I'm going to say two. The first one is, um, I really, really am proud of the work that we did. Um, Andrew Butler, uh, and Jordan Fine, um, and the, and the whole team at Ars Nova, um, did a musical and Andrew wrote called um, Rags Parkland Sings the Songs of the Future. And um, the album just came out like a few weeks ago. And it's just really, it's, it's a musical about <laughs> a group of androids who live underground um, and basically like can't be, they can't go out. So <laughs> I find it like very timely that, you know, we're all in our homes and um, the songs are just so good. And it was really important to figure out how to like, how to make work about the future that would transport people and also give enough that people could hold on to um, in the present. So it's like we we kind of did a lot of like future making and thinking and also presencing, if that makes sense, um, which is the kind of stuff that I'm really into is like how how much of the his, how much history to bring into the present in order to create the future. <laughs> um, and then the second one is. Um, the piece that started out as my dramaturgy thesis, um, which is Skin Folk, an American show, which um, we closed at the Bushwick Star just, you know, five weeks ago, or whatever the, whatever the time is now. Um, I'm just really proud of that work. And one of my favorite memories from that is, um, Honestly, I have so many, like just looking around and seeing, seeing the audience like lean forward and being up there with two awesome people, um, Sabia Derry and Lori Minor. And yeah, I just, it was a really cool time. It was, it was a, a really good time. Mm. Everybody worked really hard on that show. That's awesome. I think I heard a little bit of the songs when we were told that you were going to come in as a grad up guest. And oh, cool. Yeah, it was lovely. And I think I don't know Andrew from Folk Wandering. He did that and he's great. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes me want to ask you like what, like kind of taking it to like this moment of like, what are you doing to kind of keep creative or how are you handling with COVID right now in isolation as an artist? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm continuing to, I had actually planned, you know, to do this whole digital project before uh, COVID happened. Um, I think it's really important for artists to have digital, to have a digital presence and to also apply 
figuring figuring out how to engage with people um in in the rehearsals or not in the rehearsal space in the performance space um i think there are ways that we can do that online in in effective ways and um so i'm excited about this website project because i was i was and continue to have trouble talking about my work which is why i make things that people have to experience <laughs> Um, and then, because usually on the page, people look, um, or not usually, but often people read the stuff and they're like, I don't, I don't know, how, <laughs> how is this going to work? And then they see it and they feel it and they go, oh, that's what that is. So I wanted to figure out how do I translate that to, uh, how, can that be on my website? Like, how do I do that? instead of me having all this like you know flowery language that nobody understands um <laughs> other than other people like other people like you theater practitioners um so it's super visual like it's just like video 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 and like you can just engage you can actually engage with the work for long periods of time if you want um and then I talk a little bit about what I do. So it's still there. There's still language, but there's an opportunity for people to see and experience. Um, and yeah, um, I'm so I'm doing that and hopefully that will be done tomorrow. And then I'm uh, spending a lot of time, you know, thinking about water and this um, piece that, um, working on with Soho Rep, um, and I'm spending a lot of time in meditation, and I'm spending a lot of time meeting new people, like the two of you, um, over Zoom, <laughs> and, um, I went to this really cool art, uh, like, art installation yesterday, where we all got on Zoom, like, peop a whole bunch of strangers from around the world, and then we went on mute and just sat in silence together for half an hour. And it was, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So I'm also learning from seeing like what other artists are doing right now. Um, there's so much creativity. And also I think we have, um, you know, those of us who are lucky enough to be able to be home and be healthy, we have an opportunity to also, you know, I'm a little bit monastic, like I can stay inside and make my home into a monastery. And um, so I think we have an opportunity also to like be uncomfortable in silence or in like being with ourselves, you know, and all the stuff that comes up when you're with yourself <laughs> or when you're with, you know, your partner or your roommate or whatever. You sound like a, like a flashback of like who you were when you were like three and that becomes yeah. like the next play. Yeah. So much memory coming up right now. Things I totally forget. I actually remembered the hairdresser my mom used to visit as a child and how I was always afraid to ask for a donut. <laughs> Like she used to keep a box of donuts in, and she always said yes, that I could have a donut, but every time I was scared to ask her for a donut, I spent like half a day thinking about that. 
<laughs> so yeah. yeah you know kids are weird I think I don't know that makes you think it's like I got my hair cut when I was little and they cut off had little curls and they cut them off I was crying and my mom's like, it'll grow, it'll grow soon. And I wake up every day, run to the mirror, see it had not grown and go crying into the room. So that makes me, I don't know. You know, you go back and you're like, what, what was child me thinking? And I think there's something like very beautiful about kids and like where they put their stress, but they're also where they put their hopes and weird like beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we have the space to, you know, explore and think about those things and see where they lead us. And, um, you know, when we are, when we are together in the ways that we have been used to, um, we will be different. It will be different. We are at time, but um, Karen, do you, do you have any other questions that you'd love to ask? Or Jillian, is there anything that you really would love to talk about before we, before we depart? I don't think so. Okay. What's your favorite donut now that you're an adult? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I really like a good classic glazed donut. But also the the strawberry flame the strawberry or the pink it's not strawberry just the pink frosting it's just regular but it's pink you know the ones I'm talking about at Dunkin' Donuts Curie knows oh yeah I'm I'm a New England girl I know exactly what you're I talking spent about four years in Boston no one's <laughs> taking that away from me I run partly on Dunkin' yeah. who doesn't at this point oh my gosh those donuts. So good. I was gonna go more fancy, like New York dough donuts. I was like, oh, do you like the passion fruit, like dough donuts that are like 10 bucks a donut? You're like, never again. Thank you. All right. Thank you all. Have a good rest of the day. Try to take the 30 second moments thank when you. you can. We'll do. Oh, thank you. And please tune in next time for our next guest artist. The Performance Lab Podcast was brought to you by Contemporary Performance Network in association with the Sarah Lawrence College Theatre MFA program. For more information, please visit our websites at www.contemporaryperformance.com or www.slctheatre.com.